you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Go ahead and uh, turn back over to Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, we're going to continue talking about choosing the way of the Lord. I'll just remind you as you turn there, our main verses have been out of Isaiah 55, 8, 9, where the Lord tells us that his, both his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. And uh, we talk, we've talked many times every week about what ways are ways. When we say we have ways, those are just inherent, habitual ways of approaching life, of, of doing things. Many times there are things that we do them, we don't even know why we did them. But that term ways does not just speak of our thoughts. It also speaks of the whole decision-making process, the emotions we feel, all of that that direct the way that we get things done and the way that we approach various things in life. And so we've been looking here at uh, Proverbs. In fact, I'm going to back up again uh, into verse 5. This passage, 3 through, uh, really 3 through 8, uh, just, I'm sorry, 5 through 8, just is, is one thought in a lot of ways. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. I am reading from the Amplified Bible this morning. And again, it says, Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. It shall be health to your nerves and sinews and marrow and moistening to your bones. I just love the fact that when the Lord gives us an instruction, he almost always follows it up, telling us the blessing that comes as we walk in that instruction. And so we've looked at, we've, we've studied verse 5 very thoroughly. And, and I, the only thing I want to point out again, a lot of times in Proverbs you'll find this, this uh, verse has two corresponding but opposite opposing ways of living. One is we learn to lean on and trust in the Lord. The one, the other way is that we lean on and trust in our own insight and understanding or human wisdom. We could call that, the book of Romans calls that the mind of the flesh. It is, which uh, is described as uh, the human thinking without the input of the Holy Spirit. And, and it tells us in, in that passage in Romans chapter 8 that, that that's actually human thinking, human, the mind of the flesh, thought. It says sense and reason, sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. It says it actually stands as an enemy of God. It opposes uh, the things of God. And, and Galatians uh, chapter 5 tells us that too. So, so verse 5 lays out these two different ways of living. Then verse 6 tells us in all our ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct uh, and make straight our paths. And then verse 7 again gives us two opposing ways. Be not wise in your own eyes. 
Okay. So basically the Lord's telling us there, don't be arrogant. Don't be. And, and I just want to say this about arrogance as we're dealing with each other and human beings. A lot of times someone will come across in a way that, you know, if we don't know them very well, we think they're being arrogant. And really what's going on is they're insecure on the inside. They have deep insecurities within themselves. And so we kind of put up, when we have deep insecurities, a lot of times we kind of put up a wall, you know, and, the, and, and when we just come to that wall from the other side, it appears as arrogance, but it isn't really arrogance. It's insecurity. And so I say that just to say we need to have compassion for people no matter how they're coming across. Jesus has compassion for people. Jesus has mercy for people. And Jesus in us has compassion and mercy for people. But the point is here in this verse is that if we, if we live arrogantly, if we live just, just confident in our own way of doing things, you know, be not wise in your own eyes, okay? So what he's encouraging there, he's coming against arrogance, he's encouraging humility. Don't think that we know everything, you know, and, and don't, even if we've walked a certain way, we've, this whole process of being a believer is a process of change from day one to the day we go to be with the Lord or we meet him in the air, whichever happens first. It's a process of change. And so there are things, we've been a Christian for years and we've been walking comfortably in this way. And then all of a sudden one day the Holy Spirit, you know, comes and says, okay, now we're going to deal with this one. At least this has sure been my experience is that the Lord is very methodically throughout my life, beginning the day I gave my life to him, there were things he addressed other things he didn't address for several years. He addressed them, but not for several years. It seems like he works with the most important things first, okay? And so I, I think this whole thing, we just need to understand that when something new comes up and we get challenged, it's, not cause, it's because God loves us and he is continually drawing us along to become more like him. So, so it tells us, don't be just so sure that you're right. Okay, just approach God with humility. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And, and the, so the opposite of that, the opposite of being wise in your own eyes, reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. So that having that worshipful, reverential heart toward God brings us into humility. And what it does is produces a teachable heart in us. And we always want to have a teachable heart. When we get close to something, that's where we start really running into problems. And even then, I mean, it's not like God sets up, he didn't punish you, he didn't have to. Usually we get ourselves in trouble when we're closed to what he's saying to us. So, so he's just saying, you know, invite him into your ways, into all our ways. We want to know him. We want to know what his word says. We want to recognize him, give him the floor. We talked about that last week or the week before. Before. And we want to acknowledge him. We want to say, yes, sir, roger that. We're, we're going that way, okay? And, and in doing that, the way to do that is we need to keep our hearts humble before God. And that, I think, you know, that's a prayer to pray to the Lord because we just don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. And we sure don't know ourselves as, way, as well as God does. And so it's, I think, just coming and saying, Lord, I, I, 
I give you my heart. I, I'm asking, help me, Holy Spirit, to have a teachable heart. If there's a place where my heart is hard, maybe I'm afraid, you know, of getting into that area of my life. I'm not comfortable yet, you know, or, but we can still open the door to him in that place. It's just trusting in him and, and just saying, Lord, if there's any place where I've got the door closed, if there's anything, Lord, please deal with it. Please deal with it. And it's just keeping our hearts open to him in that way we can bring him into all of our ways and again i'll say this i said this before many of our ways we are unaware of they're just our ways they get to be such a habit we're unaware of it and as we get older not me but other people as we get older we tend to get more and more set in our ways and let me say this, there's nothing wrong with being set in your ways if your ways are God's ways. Then you should be set in your ways, okay? But there again, we can't just be so sure all the time, okay, that we've arrived, you know. How many times have you had the Lord bring you into a truth from the scripture? And you grab it, you've got hold of it, and it starts making a difference in your life. And you can tell, man, you've got it. And a few years later, he takes you deeper into that truth and deeper into that truth and deeper into that truth. And that truth goes deeper in you and it starts to displace more rocks in your heart or whatever, you know. This is the way the word is. So we can never just say, hey, I've got this one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I've got it. I'm done. I'm finished in this area. Let's move on to something else. We just, we just can't do that. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so... Um, what, what I want to talk to you about today, let me just, let's just start with this foundation. So breaking down the verses we just read, okay? I'll just do this from my notes to save time. My ways become his ways, or his ways become my ways, however you want to think about that. As I grow in my knowledge of God and my faith toward God, and I increasingly lean less and less and less on my own insight and understanding. Okay? So my ways become his ways as I grow in the knowledge of God and faith toward God. And my life progressively, I'm picking up his insight and understanding. And I'm laying down my insight and understanding. Okay? So, so that's number. And you can look at all of these verses. I'm inviting him into my ways. I'm laying down my heart before him. All of this is, is going on. And we grow in faith toward God. Okay, I grow in his ways as I grow in faith. I grow in faith as I saturate myself in his word. And we talked about that thoroughly a couple of weeks ago. The Bible tells us faith comes by continually hearing what God is speaking to us, continually receiving his instruction by the Holy Spirit through the word of God by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I grow in faith and I grow in his insight and my mind gets renewed and I start picking up more and more the mind of Christ as I saturate myself in his word. I believe this is why there is always such an attack against the word of God itself, okay? And also against our time 
to spend in the word of God, our time to spend with the Lord, we always have to carve out that time on purpose because it doesn't just make itself. And it's kind of true for everything. But certainly in this area, there will be a good reason every week for you not to be in church. There will be a good reason every morning for you to put off your time with the Lord or minimize your time with the Lord. Why is that? Because we do have an enemy. We do. There is a devil loose that wants to steal your life and the life that Jesus wants to give you. But the truth is we grow and we change as we saturate ourselves in God's word. So let's just back up the same chapter. This is how it starts in verse one. Okay, chapter three, Proverbs chapter three, verse one, just ahead of what we just read. It says, my son, forget not my law or teaching. Okay, when you read that kind of verse, I'm saying this to the ladies in the room, okay? Because people get hung up on, they really do get hung up on this. I think most of you know that even though it says my son, it applies to his daughters too, right? We, are, we just talked about uh, earlier that when we put faith in Jesus, he says we become children of God. We're part of the family, okay? So when you read my son, Solomon wrote it. He's writing about things David said to him. David probably called Solomon his son, okay? And so now the Holy Spirit has taken these verses and they, he's put them into scripture and they're speaking to us, my son, my child, okay? My son or my daughter, all right? So, um, Sometimes people get hung up on that or uh, they get hung up on the fact that the Bible is written in those kind of terms. And because of the cultural thing uh, about uh, women and, and all of that as the, I don't know what you're supposed to call it today, but as back in the 70s, the women's liberation thing came up. Well, then women got mad because the Bible said, you know, it's patriarchal, you know, it's just patriarchal. No, it's not. Not unless you read it that way. When it says, my son, it means you too, you know? Uh, is that okay? Yeah. All right. So, my son, the instruction is, forget not my law or my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Let your heart keep my commandments. And then he gives us the promise. And this is so amazing. Why? In fact, let me just, my son, Forget not my law or teaching. That word actually means instruction. But let your heart keep my commands. Why? Why? When I was a kid, if I'd ask my parents right here, why should I remember your instruction? Why should I let your heart keep my commandments? I would have gotten because I said so. <laughs> because I said so. And it was usually good instruction, I have to say. Because I said so. Some of you might have even gotten, do as I say, not as I do. That's not such a good approach. But that's what I would have got because I said so. Okay. And I understand what they were trying to do with that. God doesn't do it that way. Why? Because length of days and years of a life worth living and tranquility inward and outward and continuing through old age till death, these shall they add to you. Wow. Length of days. That's a long life. God's promising a long, longer life as we live 
in his instruction. But longer life is not everything there is to it. We all know people that are living a long life that would rather not be for one reason or another. We know people who are living, but in their hearts, and this is just so sad, they don't feel like their life is worth living. And they're depressed and they're anxious and they'd rather just be gone. And those are people that need you and me. They need the love of God. Uh, they need our prayers. They need us to break that spirit of depression over them. But the promise, and this is so, whenever we have a promise, this is God's will for our life. God's word is God's will. God's word is a written record of his will for your life. His will is for you to have long life. And for that life to be a life worth living. The other places that talk about it being a satisfying life, being a blessed life, okay? Being a fruitful life. And tranquility, which of course means peace, inward and outward. There are a lot of people living life and living a long time that have no peace in their hearts. And, and some of that I have friends they're they're not really friends they're facebook friends you know what i mean but i mean they're people that i i guess i knew in high school probably and you know now we're connected on facebook and you know i haven't seen them in 50 years and but anyway there's one woman in particular that i think about that apparently was in my high school class and we go back and forth a little bit with some of our other old friends but anyway she apparently, and I'm not saying this to be critical, it's just we all know people like this. She puts out, at least judging by what she puts on Facebook, she is full of anxiety and fear and anger every day about political stuff. And, and judging by when it comes out and how often it comes out, my impression is she watches the news all day long all day long it's what she's feeding her heart on and and no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on if you feed on the news all day long you're not going to be a real happy person okay because that's their hook that's how they get you to watch and and they use those things and, and I just feel for her and I often if I do comment at all sometimes I'll go in the background and go through messenger but just try and encourage her because she's a Christian that's the thing she knows the Lord but she has no tranquility and no peace. And it's because of what she's allowing her heart to take in. It's how she feeds herself. It's, it's what she feeds herself. And what we feed ourselves on, it's going to affect us. We can't do that. And, but God's promising tranquility, inward and outward, continuing through old age until death, these shall they add to you. So, so the scripture here, you know, you don't have to be apathetic to have peace. God's way is a way of peace. He has peace. He didn't freak out in the storm. He didn't freak out at the cross. He didn't, you know, he, he just doesn't freak out, okay? We can have peace in our hearts. I know sometimes that's a big process and it's not easy and I understand all that. I'm just saying, here's a promise from God, okay? And sometimes people think, well, if I, if I look at the world around me and I have tranquility, 
well, then you're just being apathetic. No, you don't have to be apathetic. In fact, you can have more effect and be more powerful in prayer and in interaction with other people if you're carrying the peace of God than if you just get into their turmoil and into their chaos. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so, so he says, do not forget my instruction. And that word forget means to allow, interesting, allow something to be lost from your memory. Okay, to allow it to be lost from your memory or allowing a period of time to soften the memory. You know, sometimes we go a ways through life and it's like, I do this all the time. I don't remember all the details and stuff. She remembers all the details. I don't remember. I'll just go back and ask her. You know, I'll just go back and ask Karen, remember when this happened? What, what was going on there? And she'll remember the whole thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about all that. And, you know, for better or for worse, I'm not sure if I fried my brain as a teenager or if this is just the way I am. But at any rate, I don't remember all those details. But so time will often soften a memory. And sometimes that's good as we get away from something real painful, some of the memory of the pain phase. That, that's, that's okay. But he's saying about his word, okay? Don't allow it to leave your memory. So that means I am in, being instructed here to actively remember the word and this is part of what the Holy Spirit does for us. I've got to go back and I've got to read it again. I've got to meditate it again. I've got to spend time in it again. I've got to ask the Holy Spirit to sharpen the memory of what he has said and what he has promised. And this just has to be a lifestyle if we're going to walk in his ways. We just have to adopt this lifestyle of, of just being in his word. And I often ask him, Lord, speak, speak that. I need you to speak that to me again. I'm losing my hold on that promise because of the stuff that's going on. I'm seeing around me. I haven't seen it come to pass. And I'm here to worship you around that promise. I'm here to glorify you around that promise because I know that's your word. But I need you to speak it to me again. And he's so faithful to do it. He doesn't get mad. He speaks it to us again. It's, it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome the way that the Lord will do that for us. Okay, so and a lot of times, you know, I, I hear this fairly often. People will say, well, I, I never hear God speak to me. And I don't mean to be a smart aleck with this. I'm serious. I never hear God speak to me. Open your Bible and read with the mindset, this is God speaking to me. Okay, this is God speaking to me as I read the Bible. When I read my son, don't forget my instruction. When I read that, and I, I guess because I've been doing this for years, I don't read that as something written in a book that was for somebody. I read that as God speaking to me. My son, don't forget my instruction. That's, that's his instruction to me. That's him speaking to me. And I'm not saying, of course, he speaks to us other ways. The Holy Spirit impresses things on our hearts. Sometimes we hear his voice on the inside. We have all kinds of ways that God speaks to us. But if you're not hearing God, start there. Open your Bible and read. But you have to do that with the mindset, this is God speaking to me. All right. And let me just read a few verses to you. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, Gospel of John, you know these verses, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning was the Word, 
Okay, that's that Greek word logos. It means the expression of God, the expression of the Father's thoughts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, and then it says, he was in the beginning with God. So all of a sudden now, so the Word was with God, right? Now all of a sudden the Word is a he, okay? And we know that's Jesus, Okay, the word suddenly becomes he, a person. All right, so Jesus, I know you know this, is the word of God. And the word of God is Jesus in written form. Okay, people get really mad at you saying that today, but nevertheless, it's true. Uh, let me just read you another quick verse. You don't have to turn there. A couple of verses just to nail this down so you know I'm not lying to you, um, which I just do all the time. Uh, Revelation verses, verse 19, starting with verse 11, it says, After that I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse appeared, and the one who was riding it is called Faithful, Trustworthy, Loyal, Incorruptible, Steady, and True, and he passes judgment and wages war in righteousness, holiness, justice, and uprightness. His eyes blazed like a flame of fire, and on his head were many kingly crowns, and he has a title a name inscribed which he alone knows or can understand. He is dressed in a robe dyed by dipping in blood. Wow. And the title by which he is called is the word of God. All right. So the Bible tells us in many places, Jesus is the word. God, what I, what I want you to get this morning is God and his word are one. All right. God and his word are one. God never contradicts his word. The Holy Spirit won't contradict his word. If you're hearing an instruction that you think that is coming from the Holy Spirit that contradicts his word, that's just not the Holy Spirit. There's other spirits out there, okay? Plus your flesh. So that's not the Holy Spirit. God does not contradict his word. And it says, it goes on, so it says, he, the word, he, the word, the word he, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. All things were made through him. All things were made through the word. And there's nothing that was made. I want you to think about that, because that does not just mean rocks and trees and horses and cows and oceans and fish, okay? The physical creation, yes, that was created through the word. God spoke, word went forth, Holy Spirit incubated, and life came forth, okay? Okay. Light came forth, life came forth, planets came forth, and it was that process. The Father had the idea. He spoke. The Son was that expression. He was that word going forth. And the Holy Spirit, it says, brooded over, hovered over, incubated what God spoke and brought it to life. That same process is the way he does it. That same process is what he does in our life. That same process is how he brings light into darkness, how he brings life where there's only been death, how he calls the end from the beginning, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So, so any place in my life then that I want the life of God, whether that's something in me or, or something in the world, you know, I need to release the word of God. I need to hear what God is saying about that situation, not just my opinion, because I'm a Christian, so whatever I think is right. No, no, no. But I do need to hear what God is saying, what he is calling in that situation, and my prayer needs to declare it. 
And I need to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to hover on. And I might do that my whole life over that situation. That's not my, not everything happens in an instant, okay? That's not my role. My role is to declare your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That's my, my role. Does this make sense to you? So it goes on here in John chapter 1. He says, in him was life. That's that Greek word zoe. It means the God kind of life, the same life that God has and enjoys. And that life was the light of man. The light shines in darkness and darkness did not comprehend it. Okay, but it says all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. So it's not just physical creation. He created relationship. He created uh, the way that things work. He created, in fact, he said before the fall, he said to Adam and to Eve in the garden, going to all the world, have dominion. That doesn't mean just rule things with an iron fist. In that word, in that Hebrew word, dominion, there's the idea of do business, create, bring forth agriculture, bring forth business, bring forth technology, bring forth, but it was all, this was before the fall, before sin entered in. It was all intended to glorify God and make life on earth look like heaven. Okay, I hope this is making sense to you. So so what he, he, he created, nothing was created that he didn't create. So when I have an issue in an area of life, it came, that area of life, or the way that area of life is supposed to work was created through the word. And the word can bring it back into line, okay? And in me, if I wanna walk in his ways and I have these other ways, I need the word to saturate me in that area. I need to give myself to the word. Does this make sense to you? One more here, I've gotta get to some other verses here. John chapter 6 verse 63 you guys probably know this verse jesus speaking he said it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing so things that just come from the flesh they don't profit anything it is the spirit who gives life he said the words that i speak to you are spirit and they are life says the words that Jesus speaks, that we can think of it as the Holy Spirit, the things he speaks to us. It says, he says, my, act, my words are spirit. And that is the word that means the breath of life. It is the word that is used. It's, it's attached to the word holy to speak of the Holy Spirit. It is attached to the word human to speak of the human spirit. But in its essence, it means the breath, God's breath of life. When he created Adam, he formed him out of the dirt. And then it says he breathed life into him and Adam became a living being. So again, when the spirit of God speaks the word of God, it brings life where there's right now just death. It brings light where there's right now just darkness. It, it changes things. It, it, he says this idea of giving life, they are life. That the term that's translated there means to make something alive. It's the word that's used for describing raising the dead. Okay, so we just think about, man, there are places, places in my own heart that haven't completely, yes, Jesus is here. I've accepted him. The Holy Spirit lives in me. But there are places in my personality and my thinking and my thought life and my ways that are not fully aligned with him. Those need 
the word breathed into them. They need the word of God to come into them. So the word has to be central to this. Okay, the word has to be any place in my life I want to release the life-giving power of God, I need to release the word. Even if that's into me, I need him to release the word into me. Okay, is this making sense? All right. Um, we're going to look at one more passage. We'll be done today. I think we have time to do this. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I'm going to begin in verse 9. It's just a lot of good instruction right here. All of Psalm 119 we say that, you know, it's got 150 verses. We say it's about the word of God, and it is, but it's actually about the psalmist's approach to the word of God. It's, it's, it's more than just glorifying the word in itself. The psalmist throughout the psalm commits himself to the word of God. All right. Are you with me? Okay. Psalm 119. So verse 9, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. That's what's up on your screen. It says, how can a young man or woman, okay, or old man or woman, all right? David was a young man when he wrote this. So he said, how can a young man keep his way pure? But again, this is the, let the word speak to you, okay? How can a young man keep his way pure? That means how can I cleanse my way of impurities? It's a, it's a cleansing process when you look up this word pure. How can I keep my way pure by keeping watch on himself according to your word, conforming his life to your precepts. Okay? So he's saying, how can, if uh, I need to take, if I want my ways to line up with God's ways, then I need to think about what's influencing my heart. All right? Am I being influenced by culture? Am I being influenced by uh, TikTok influencers? Who would have thought we would have gotten here? Anyway, um, and whenever I write that down, my notes always, it, you know, I, you got you to gotta love spell check. It always says tick-toe, <laughs> tick-toe influencers. But you know what I mean. Okay. Uh, so what, what is the primary influence of my life? We're all influenced by lots of things. Is it my friends? Is it what they think? What is it? Okay. He's saying it needs to be the word of God. I've got to keep watch on myself in accordance to your word. Okay, I've got to, I've got to lay it out. And the word is my standard. Conforming his life to your precepts. All right, verse 10. With all my heart, I have sought you. So here's an attitude. Here's a posture, we could call it inquiring of you, the Amplified says. So, so when I have questions, am I going to go to TikTok? Am I going to go to Facebook? Am I going to go to the Lord? Okay. Where am I going to ask my questions? Am I going to go to somebody who knows God and has a track record of walking with God? Or am I just going to go to somebody that I want them to like me? Okay. These are legitimate questions. I have sought you, inquiring of you, and longing for you. So it's that combination. I really desire you, God. Do not let me wander from your commandments. We do have a tendency to wander, okay? Scripture tells us over in Romans chapter 12 that we are, we present ourselves as living sacrifices, and the problem with a living sacrifice is it tends to crawl off the altar, okay? So we 
we don't, we're asking, we're praying, do not let me wander from your commandments or instructions, neither through ignorance nor by willful disobedience. And I'll just say this right there. I believe God will do everything short of violating the free will that he gave us to keep us from wandering off. If this is our prayer, he can step in, okay? But if we continue to resist him, there are other verses we could look at. If we just continue to reject what he's saying, he will let us wander, okay? He didn't like it. He's not punishing us. He, God, gave us a free will to choose. He did. That's part of, how, part of our makeup. It's part of, so, so we can't just pray, God, don't let me sin, okay? I think a better prayer is, Lord, see, I could say for myself, Lord, slap me. And I, because I know he's not gonna, you know, I know what he does and what he doesn't do, but uh, nudge me, Lord, wake me up, okay? When, if I start to wander, I start being pulled into sin, wake me up, because I want to go with you. And he, and, and he knows that. I'm not perfect at it. Nobody is, but I want to go that way. But I'm just saying, you know, do not let me wander Okay, this is written in kind of an Old Testament context, and I don't think there's a full understanding of how much freedom he gives us. So, so don't just say, don't let me wander, Lord, and then just keep doing what you've been doing. Okay, we do have a part in this. All right, verse 11. Your word have I treasured and stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. This is such an important verse. Sometimes we've, we've got a temptation to sin, or we have a sin issue that's been plaguing us and we feel bad about it. We keep repenting of it. We, we want to get free from it. And, but we can get so focused on the sin that we spend all our time trying to just tell the sin to go away, resist the sin, rebuke the devil. None of those things are bad. But this is a real key. Set your heart in the word. When you have a sin issue, start getting into the word and remembering who you are. Remember what we said about Abraham a couple weeks ago? He told Abraham who he was before he started into the instruction. He'll come back and he'll remind you, you're a child of God. You, you are the righteousness of God. I, I love spending time with you. You know, you're the beloved of the father. And in that place, we have the strength to overcome the sins. So rather than... Um, being becoming sin conscious, okay, or just continuing, which is real popular in our society, just confess my victimhood. Oh, I'm so broken. Oh, I, I, and I know it might be true right now. That's not where you want to stay. And you can't keep thinking that and saying that about yourself. I'm so broken. I'm such a victim. I've had this so hard. Okay, okay. But here's where Jesus has taken you. So we need to focus on what the word says. Treasure up the word that I may not sin against you. Does that make sense to you? Okay, we're going to do a few more verses here. This is the last passage we're looking at. I know you're all panicking. Um, I know you're not. You always tell me after church. So, verse 12. Blessed and reverently praised are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So, there again, that worshipful attitude that worshipful fear of the Lord keeps our heart humble before God and that gratitude and humility maintains that teachable heart. So we can say, teach me your word. Okay, blessed and praised are you. And I can come into my prayer time in that way. Verse 13, this is so important. With my lips, I have told of all 
the ordinance, ordinances of your mouth. I'm not going to take time to read it this morning because really we're out of time. But I would encourage you, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, okay, and start in verse 4. And just read a chunk there. I don't remember where it leaves off, but it talks about how we're supposed to develop this lifestyle of recounting the testimonies of God, recounting who he is, recounting what he has done, and then impressing that. I love the Amplified Bible says, wet and sharpen those words and impress them on your children. We are supposed to, this is supposed to be our household where it is just so common to be hearing the good things that God has done. We just talk about them night and day, coming and going on the road when we're hanging out in the backyard. That's what that passage says. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It's really an awesome passage, okay? Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. That word rejoice there means find a reason to celebrate and throw a party. Okay, find a reason to celebrate and throw a party. I want you to think about next Sunday afternoon. Okay, many of it is good. Some of you are looking at me like, what's next Sunday afternoon? Thank you. It's the Super Bowl, right? It's next week, isn't it? Okay, good. Uh, I knew this because I'm in touch. A lot of people are going to gather people at their house. They're going to break out the chips and whatever. And they're going to have sliders, which somebody figured out they could market little tiny hamburgers and make a lot more money. How silly. Have to eat six of them. What's the deal? But anyway, you get the picture. They're going to, there's a reason that you celebrate. So you're going to gather and you're going to have a party. That's what it's saying to do here about God's testimonies. Not awesome. We should be throwing testimony parties. Okay. Uh, okay. Moving on. Verse 15. I will, this is a choice, meditate on your precepts and thoughtfully regard your ways, the path of life established by your precepts. Meditating on his word. Man, I wish I had time to teach on that. Meditating on his word, revolving it in the mind, speaking it aloud to yourself, meditating it on, meditating on his word. That only works if you do it, okay? It works wonders if you do it, but it only works if you do it. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. And again, I will not forget your word. This is a choice. This is a posture. In my life, I will delight. That word means to pause, to close the eyes, and simply experience the joy of something. I'm going to pause. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to experience the joy of your instructions for my life. All right? When we do that, it sharpens that word. It brings it back into focus. It pulls it back up into memory. And all of that process is what goes on if we want his ways to become our ways. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Let's stand up and pray. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, my prayer this morning for all of us, for all of us out online, for every one of us, Lord, that are hearing this message this morning, my prayer is that the word of God become the richest treasure in our lives, that we, we truly treasure it above all 
other things, that we truly recognize the power, the life-changing power that it has to change us and to change things around us. Lord, I pray, Father, that every one of us, as we go to the Word, Lord, over time and, and, you know, most of the time, would have that experience with your presence as we're in the Word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that reminds us and reminds us and reminds us of what you have said. And my prayer for every one of us, Lord, is that your ways are becoming our ways not just to bless us, which certainly will happen, but Lord, to change the world and the lives around us. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. You have a good time? Glad you came to church? All right. Uh, So there'll be plenty of time next week for you to get home and cook your sliders or whatever it is you do for Super Bowl. So you, you can be here in church. All right. Ready to say it on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and fellowship the snacks. All right, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.